Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. Welcome to another episode of the Buffalo Beat. We have entered into the fall portion of the calendar. Woke up this morning. It was a brisk 41 degrees outside in uh, in the south towns here uh, of Buffalo. And man, it is here. It's like high school football weather. Sabres training camp just kicked into gear. The Bills have had their first uh, their first home game, which they we know we they just. Uh, trounce the titans so now uh it it shifts into it starts to get real and and what better way to bring on the entire uh realness of a football calendar in terms of injuries starting to become an issue so we're going to get into all of that my name is joe biscalia uh with me as always is my co-host matthew fairburn and the bills are taking on the dolphins this weekend down in south florida uh a contest that you know, two weeks after the regular season has started, uh, looks a lot more juicy than it than it did before the season began, and it's and it should be a fun one down there. But uh, I wanted to begin the show with this whole notion of of the of the injuries because when you have as many as the Bills do defensively, you go and it's at every almost every level. Um, you have Ed Oliver trying to come back from an ankle injury. You have Jordan Phillips who had who suffered a hamstring injury on Matt Milano's uh, touchdown run on his interception. You have Tim Settle trying to come back from a calf injury. That's three defensive tackles right there. Matt Milano had a stinger. Fortunately for them, it looks like he's going to be able to go after he's practiced in full the last couple of days. But then on the back end, you have Dane Jackson who suffered a neck injury. He's probably not playing. You have uh, and in his place, you have two rookies starting at corner. Both of your starting safeties, Jordan Poyer uh, with a foot injury who didn't practice on Thursday, and then Micah Hyde who didn't practice Wednesday or Thursday because of a neck injury, those two guys are completely in flux here as to whether or not they're going to play. So the Bills could go into this game without six of their defensive regulars, and they usually only use around like 13, maybe 14 guys. That's almost half of that group. So... It makes it into an interesting situation where Josh Allen has this has this chance to kind of uplift this team against the odds. And Matthew, I think this is something that we haven't really seen from him in terms of all of the injury adversity because the Bills have been relatively healthy the last couple of years. So having him uh, be in this spot against another explosive offense uh, it it really kind of is reminiscent to me of like when the Chiefs were just 
down a bunch of defensive guys and Mahomes would just constantly lift them up week after week and they get into these shootouts. Um, it, it, it seems like a real test to see something that we haven't quite seen from Josh Allen before. Yeah, it's at least been a while since yeah. he's been in this spot. I mean, the the defense ranked well last season, but did put him in some spots occasionally. And you could probably say the same of 2019 or 2020, rather. But he's always had a pretty solid defense. It's not to say the defense won't play well against the Dolphins on Sunday because they still have some pieces. They've still got you know some pass rushers. They feel pretty good about their depth in the secondary or, or the guys that, that they've developed, the way they can scheme things up. But this is quite the test for the defense, at least as it's looking right now as we're recording this. They're going to be without a few guys, it seems like, more mm-hmm. than likely. Yeah. And if they're without both safeties and Dane Jackson – you know, the secondary was already a topic of conversation coming into the season about how they would handle not having Tredavious White and, you know, having some inexperience at corner. And you felt okay about it because they had Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. They had Leslie Frazier and Sean McDermott scheming things up on the back end. And, you know, they had a pass rush. They still have the pass rush. They still have Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier, but they might not have Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde for this one on Sunday, at least one of them. You know, it looks like Micah Hyde is probably unlikely if he hasn't practiced at all. So that puts him in an interesting spot. Christian Benford has played well, you know, more pressure on him, more pressure on DeMar Hamlin and on Jaquan Johnson if they have to go. And they're doing it against Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell, you know, this offense you know Tua threw for 460 yards and six touchdowns last week so it is quite the test for them but it also becomes quite the test for the offense which comes into this game fairly healthy and obviously clicking on all cylinders so it's a different conversation than you would have a couple of years ago wondering how the bills would handle all these defensive injuries you almost don't you know, start getting into the scouting reports on the the replacement safeties and corners, and you just say, well, got the quarterback. So, you know, wherever the injuries are occurring, scoring more points is usually a pretty good antidote. And I think they now have the offense that they believe can do that against any opponent. And this is this was already going to be a test because the Dolphins have looked better than people expected. Maybe not. Maybe some people, you know, uh, were, you know, optimistic about this group, but they've looked pretty good through two weeks. And they had probably the game of the week last week with that comeback against the Ravens and the offensive numbers they put up. Mike McDaniel really seems to be pushing all the right buttons. Tua is playing better than he has in the past, and he's got two ridiculous receivers so this was already going to be a marquee matchup and now the bills are coming into it a little banged up and it seems like it evens the playing field that much more yeah part of the reason that the dolphins were able to storm back into that game is and this is this is going to hit home for bills fans considering what what uh they 
they might be seeing on Sunday is because the Ravens had so many injuries on the back end of their defense. There was just massive confusion down the stretch. And it almost seemed like one of those things where like uh, once once the ball, once they started rolling downhill, they just had they just had no grip whatsoever to stop themselves. And it was just it just really just tumbled down and, and crashed and crashed it, it below um, the the play where the where the Dolphins tied it up. Just a complete error on the safety's part. Um, trying, trying to march it forward. And, uh, you know, there was just, there's just so many little poison pills and pressure points that Mike McDaniel has instituted in their offense. And that's what makes them so unique because it forces defenders almost on every single play to make a choice. And if, and whatever choice that the defender makes, uh, if Tua does his job, then, the Dolphins are usually getting positive yardage out of it. It's a very uh, well-schemed offense. They're throwing the ball a ton. They're not relying on their running game. They know their strength. They know their weaknesses. Um, one of their one of their weaknesses is the interior of their offensive line, and they're just getting the ball out of Tua's hand quickly. Um, so this is – they are a very impressive team, but they did benefit by the Ravens not having a ton of – back-end talent due to injury but you know that's not really going to be much of an issue here for the Bills because or for the for the Dolphins against the Bills because they very well could be starting well they're very likely to be starting both rookie cornerbacks in Kair Elam and Christian Benford and Elam looked better this past week but different kind of test against the Titans than than what they're seeing against the Dolphins but they also, but the Bills also had both of their starting safeties for the majority of the game against the Titans. There is a very significant chance that they are without both safeties in this game. I would say Micah Hyde has less of a chance to play than Jordan Poyer, just because Hyde wasn't even out at the practice field yesterday. Um, McDermott said that Hyde also went to the hospital on Sunday night to get to get his neck checked out. And um, it it almost seems like there's 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 some wondering of okay what to do here with him because um, the Buffalo News just reported uh, yesterday that he was seeking a second opinion so read into that however uh, you want but Jordan Poyer was limited at a, at the walkthrough on Wednesday did not practice on Thursday we're recording this on Friday morning before practice gets in the gear. So we, we are yet to find out what's going on with Poyer. You know, it seemed like he was walking on the foot okay, but you don't really know what the injury is. And walking in, in street clothes is a lot different than, you know, running around, cutting, and, and everything like that um, once you're on the football field at a high level. So they very well could be without both of those guys, which puts when Jaquan Johnson, who's been really good this summer. But DeMar Hamlin is the one where it's like, okay, is he ready for this moment in the second year against a, a an offense designed to make you make the wrong decision? It's it's a daunting task for them. And it makes me wonder what this game is going to look like. Now, the one thing that the Bills do have going for them is that 
their four defensive ends have all played extremely well to start the year. And it's looking like after a couple of days of practice, the Dolphins might be without uh, their best offensive lineman and left tackle Terran Armstead. So that's kind of the neutralizer here as to whether or not the Bills can can get to Tua and make him sweat a little bit because we know what they were able to do to him in week two of last year when he was under pressure. But this goes back to, to Josh Allen because it odds are the Dolphins are going to score points uh, if the secondary is as banged up as, as it's trending right now. Josh has such an opportunity here. I mean, not only him, but Diggs, Davis, the rest of the offense, um, the offensive line. This Dolphins defense is not terribly impressive. And so if they can get into it and win win this game shootout style where you know, the defense doesn't have their best and, and Josh is able to uplift this team, really, he almost did it against the Chiefs last year, but it, that's kind of different because the Bills had um, had basically everyone that they wanted out there defensively. This is a this is a totally different thing, and I think if if he is able to deliver a win in this sort of atmosphere with this much facing against them on their defense, especially if the Dolphins are just getting the ball out quick, 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 like they have been the, the first couple of weeks, that that would be an incredibly impressive feat by him, and and one that you know it's we we haven't. We haven't uh, been uh, – he has done a lot in his career where he's checking off boxes, checking off boxes, checking off boxes. This is one that that hasn't happened quite yet. And I'm fascinated to see if he tries to put too much pressure on himself in in this moment, if the offense tries to put too much pressure on themselves, what happens there, if they can be a little bit more multifaceted. There's there's a lot of – a lot of um, – avenues and and really pitfalls throughout a game like this where you know you have to be at your best um, because you know the opposition is probably going to score a ton yeah and they're also facing sort of a similar problem that they had at times last season they rank last in the or they rank 30th in the nfl in rushing success rate according to true media the run game hasn't been great, hasn't needed to be great, but the Dolphins are also top in the league with 17 run stuffs this year so far. So their defense isn't phenomenal, but they're pretty good against the run, and the Bills aren't running the ball particularly well anyways, which just adds to the importance of Josh Allen and the passing offense, keeping things rolling on the road uh, You know, in a game where potentially – the defense may have some problems. It'll be, you know, it's going to be a weird, uh, you know, it's a division game, so there's always a, a little bit of a, a feeling out process. There's going to be some pressure in this game in general for on both sides. I mean, this is a very much kind of one of those games for the Dolphins that, I mean, they've already beat two decent teams, you know, beating the Ravens as shorthanded as they were on defense, coming back like that beating the Patriots in week one, um, you know, both solid victories. But this would be on a different level for them. And there's been some Mike McDaniel mania already this week. Uh, easy 
you know, to to have when you have a comeback win like that. And he's such a personable, fun personality that uh, it's easy for people to get swept up in what there, they're doing. There's some Brandon Staley to him. Yeah, he's uh, he's unlike any other coach in the NFL, I think, in, yeah. in his personality. He's just a, a quirky dude who's not afraid to, to be himself and, and show his personality when he's talking uh, to reporters. And, you know, he's just kind of a goofy guy. And I think he, he thinks a lot differently and behaves a lot differently than a lot of NFL coaches. There was a great clip from Andrew Hawkins. Um, he was on the Rich Eisen show uh, talking about Mike McDaniel as his receivers coach in Cleveland and the way he would essentially teach, you know, Hawkins had been in the league almost 10 years at that point and thought he knew everything there was to know about receiver and McDaniel kind of turned it on its head and would teach him the opposite stuff because he thought if everybody's teaching it the same way, then they're telling the defensive backs those things too. So if you do the opposite, then you might, you know, kind of, be able to to catch some people off guard and there was just little things he taught him about route running and things like that now imagine that you know you got andrew hawkins who's who was a fine nfl player but imagine a guy like that teaching those things to two receivers who are i don't want to be hyperbolic but tyree kill and jalen waddle are different they're they're there's not a lot of those guys in the league now and there haven't been it's a lot the of those fastest duo maybe it's the fastest duo in the nfl and it's not even close and i i just don't know in going back in my bank of football receivers that there's a lot of duos like that ever you know it's yeah, true and so when you have i mean i i think back to a story i did on the the houston gamblers when jim kelly was playing there and they had all these small, fast receivers and tried to do things different with option routes and, and make themselves really hard to defend, and they became this unstoppable offense. Those are the the offenses that you, you know, when you can zig when other people are zagging, or you, you can do something different, not only because you're thinking different, but because you have players that are different. And, you know, you're playing almost positionless football where you can move these guys around the formation you have an athletic tight end uh you know you have some running backs who can make plays you know and a quarterback who's who's fairly accurate if nothing else um and you know is, is starting to elevate his game a little bit it's a it's a really dangerous combination now what you have i think on the other side is a couple of defensive coaches in sean mcdermott and leslie frazier who are as good as anybody in the league at scheming up coverage and absolutely that i think presents a little bit of a challenge for uh the dolphins and for you know this passing offense because tua has been a lot better against man coverage this year than he has zone coverage uh he's been fine against both but he's been a lot better uh, against man a lot more efficient anyways and it stands to reason considering you know, he's got probably the two most dangerous man coverage, you know, receivers in Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddell. But the Bills don't play a lot of man coverage. They play a lot of zone coverage, even more so now that they don't have Tredavious White. And mm -hmm. I think it's just probably the, you know, it will depend on 
how if they're without both safeties, that makes things really interesting because DeMar Hamlin and Jaquan Johnson have gotten plenty of buzz. And I feel like it's easy for them to get buzz in the summer and in the, the preseason, you know, how much does that translate, right? Like, I don't know. They're fine players. They both, you know, slowly developed and been brought along at a good pace and seem to have some ability. And, you know, people talk highly about them in the organization, but this is a heck of a, a, a first test, a baptism by fire against two of the best receivers in football. And certainly Sean McDermott and, and Leslie Frazier are the best of the best in coaching up defensive backs and scheming coverage. But so much of that has worked from the day they got here because of Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde. Now, Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde weren't quite Jordan Poyer and Micah Hyde when they got here, right? You know, people didn't know exactly what to expect, but they were, Micah Hyde was a pretty established NFL defensive back. Jordan Poyer had played a lot of football. These guys that could get thrown into action don't have that, don't have the level of experience those guys had when they stepped into action for the Bills in 2017. But they do have a lot of time in the system. Uh, and so we'll see what that's done for them. And, you know, we'll see. This will be a, a big. Uh, Robert Mays texted me, I think it was yesterday, and was asking about. John Butler, I'll give him credit for the for the thought. You know, why you know, what's the deal with him and why hasn't he gotten a defensive coordinator job because of the way the Bills have developed defensive backs? I think you know, it's because McDermott and Frazier get a lot of credit for that because that's their background as well. But this would be a nice game for his his resume if these guys play well. And, you know, if these corners can really, you know, the way Benford's playing. Uh, and now Elam getting a little bit more run. This will be, you know, a nice feather in the cap for him if, if he can pull it off. But it's a uh, it's a big unknown because as you can be as bullish on uh, on Hamlin and, and Johnson as you want, but this we haven't seen it yet, so we'll see. Yeah the the biggest difference between as you kind of pointed out between Poyer and Hyde when they first got to Buffalo was that they had starts to their name and at corner and, and uh, safe and uh, or exactly at, mostly so at corner that there was a vision in place but these guys were they played football games yeah. you know in the in the secondary they were and Hamlin and Johnson just haven't yeah um and John Butler uh he is he's like one of my one of my favorite uh, guys to listen to during practice because he's just so high energy all over the place um he is he's definitely a uh an interesting name to keep an eye on but also uh Bobby Babich is one that uh, I think is kind of starting to ascend within the bill system he was their safeties coach uh last the last couple of years and then now he's the linebackers coach so both of those guys are, are two two that um don't get as much credit as I think that they deserve. So that's, that's an astute point by, uh, by our guy, Robert. But um, yeah, this, this, the way that the bills defend this year is such a stark difference because they're trying to make up for everything else. And um, 
they, you know, we always think about Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier as like zone heavy, zone heavy. And, you know, they are zone heavy uh, just by the letter of the law because they played it more often than man coverage. But last year, their regular season rate in zone coverage was only 60.3%. And that's not like, in terms of the NFL, because everyone plays zone, um, it's not a high distinction. In fact, the Bills last year only played the 25th highest rate of zone out of 32 teams. And it's it wasn't a one-off because in 2020, they, were, they ranked 20th in zone rate. In 2019, they ranked 18th in zone rate. So they have been in the bottom half of the league in how often they run zone for the last three years, which is a, a pretty large sample size in the confines of the NFL. But this year, it has been such an increase to make up for, well, maybe not even to make up for. That that leads into it with when they don't have Tredavious White to go man-to-man. But also because their pass rush is a lot better this year. I think that certainly helps them drop back a bit more uh, and take fewer chances uh, in terms of blitzing. I think they've only blitzed three times so far this year. But their zone rate this year has risen almost 30 percent like they or they have let's see i'm at true media right now they're at 89.9 percent zone coverage 107 snaps as compared to seven snaps in man coverage for the season it is tied with the vikings for the highest rate in the nfl um at at almost 90 percent and in their first game they did it less against the Titans than um, than they did against the Rams. In the first game, they were at 92.4% zone. So the Bills understand what, what they have and what they don't have, and they are acting accordingly. Now it's just a big, big uh, to-do about whether or not these, these pass rushers can get to Tua, not even to sack him, but to affect him. Because I, I I just I went back and I watched the um, the film of Dolphins Ravens and the way that McDaniel just puts pressure on one or two players in a defense in a defensive scheme is just so smart and it it seems really simple but it's it's so smart like it'll be uh, an RPO uh, to out wide where the the running back if if um, if Tua sees the defensive end hold his ground, uh, the running back will then go out into the flat for a pass, which attracts the attention of, of the defender out wide. And then there, there will also be behind that defender, a receiver running a slant, and then another receiver going uh, behind that that uh, zone defender. So it's almost a pick-your-poison situation. And it's like, a wh- what do you do in that in that, for instance, like how how do you defend that when there when you have to choose between three different levels of how to uh, of how to uh, of what you want to allow um, in terms of your your pass coverage, or do you uh, just kind of allow the the run to happen? It's it's just a wild 
And it's not every play is exactly the same as that one, but it's just one little snippet of something that makes McDaniel fun to to watch and, and how he schemes things up. So it, it'll be a big test for not only to scheme things up from a Frazier and McDermott perspective, but to get those guys ready and aware for everything in what, six days time. And, and I'm sure they didn't even know that or realize that this Poyer thing could happen because he was limited with, with a foot injury on Wednesday, uh, evolved a DNP on Thursday. So maybe that, that shuts it down to three, maybe four days before the game. That's a huge, huge test. And I, I got to think that Von Miller is putting a lot of pressure on himself to, uh, to rescue this game for the Bills, so to speak, because those 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 four guys have been have been really good this year. And I know I mentioned a little bit uh, something similar earlier on in the episode, but Miller has been as advertised. Rousseau has really done a nice job, especially against the run. But there was a snap against the Titans that that it was right at the end of the half. It's when he got his sack. They they had him right next to Miller, and Rousseau was lined up at defensive tackle over the left guard, and he absolutely dominated the rep by engaging with the hands, pushing off with with a with a strong left arm, getting the the left guard off kilter, and then all of a sudden he's right in Ryan Tannehill's face uh, with without much time in the pocket. That was an incredible rep. And it makes me wonder, especially with all of the uncertainty that they have at defensive tackle, whether or not that that's something that they'll try to extrapolate into more snaps this coming week because it was so successful last week and because the Dolphins' interior offensive line isn't really grand. Um, Epinesa, to me, has been awesome so far this year. He almost had a sack uh, against the Titans in the early third quarter where he just absolutely dominated the rep, got into the backfield. He's doing this one to two times at every, or in the first couple of games at least. And then in garbage time, Boogie Basham was putting together some good reps. So I almost wonder if that front might might uh, feature three defensive ends at times, which which could be a look that, uh, that maybe the Dolphins aren't really used to seeing all that much. Um, it, it would definitely be a, a fascinating thing. Uh, Rousseau could also put his hands up and and take away throwing lanes over the middle because he's so tall and and his arms are so long. So a lot a lot to chew on there, but uh, that's that's something to maybe try and take pressure off the secondary, even without applying more blitzers to try and get back to Tua to make him sweat a little bit. Yeah, the other factor I wonder about here with the the pass rush and the Bills defense as a whole when you're playing against a team like this is the weather. You know, you're down in South Florida where it's going to be warm uh, and, you know, it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment from, you know, what they've been playing in. So they haven't had a problem down there in the past as a team, but when you're talking about keeping those pass rushers fresh, guys who don't have the experience playing full games in the secondary against, you know, when you're going to be chasing Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle around, that is something to keep in mind. Uh, it's going to be just that little bit extra. And, you know, 
for injury's sake. You know, they're dealing with a lot of injuries. And, you know, with these, you know, with someone like Jordan Phillips, you know, does that make them err on the side of caution with a hamstring injury uh, and things like that? So that could be a factor here. I don't know if it's a major one, but it's it's something that, uh, you know, always comes into play when you're playing in South Florida this time of year in particular because it is still uh, that extra level of humidity and, and heat that they just haven't dealt with as much. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a, a different sort of thing to think about. The Bills have a lot of ties to Miami, if you think about it. Rousseau went to school there. Jaquan Johnson, who... Seems like it, it's going to be – it's likely that he'll start this game because I, I don't know that Micah High is going to be able to be good in time um, for the game. Uh, he he went to uh, the University of Miami. Uh, you know, Jordan Phillips has that long history with the Dolphins, and so I'm sure if he if, – if there was a game that he would want to go down there and once again stick it to the Dolphins in Miami, uh, I, think, I think this would be the one. So – We'll, uh, we'll just see if he's actually able to get on the practice field today, which we'll, we'll find out in a few hours, so we'll know by the, um, by the time that probably you all listen to this. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms and restrictions apply. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, Matthew Fairburn, let's uh, get right into the uh, Shaq Lawson Meditation Prediction Hour. So you are a perfect six for six so far. Um, and, and I, for one, am, am impressed. This game uh, has the Bills. The line has kind of been all over the place. It started with the Bills favored by four and a half. It, it got up to five and a half. The, it seems like a lot of people went, went in on the Bills early. Now, once the Bills injuries, I think, are, are starting to, to come out, the line is now down to five. The total is at 52 and a half. 
Um, so Matthew Fairburn, Bills at Miami, Bills favored by five, total 52 and a half. Who wins, who covers, and what's the total? Yeah, this is the trickiest one yet for me because I don't know what the Dolphins are completely. I don't know, Mm -hmm. you know, two games is a short sample of this improved version, and we've seen the Bills beat up on them repeatedly. And this is, but this is a, a better version of Miami than we've seen in years past. This is a fast Miami offense that has been able to score, but that still feels like a small spread. When the Bills win, they win. Yeah, you know, we've seen what 20 straight regular season victories by 10 or more, and they've beaten Miami pretty handily. The over under is tied for the biggest one of the week. I believe, and it is a fairly big number, but it also still feels low. It feels, mm-hmm. uh, which feels like bait a little bit. Like, it feels like they're not bumping it way up high, you know, mm-hmm. into that 54 range to try to to try to see, you know, if they can get some people to bite on the over. I'm going with the Bills to win. I'm going with the Bills to cover, and I'm going with the under. Uh, I think the under has been uh, quite quite persistent this year, quite Blaine Gabbert-esque across the league, uh, <laughs> not just in Bills games. So the reason I think the under makes sense, division game, high pressure, there might be some feeling out early in the game. I know that Miami's game last week went, haywire completely and obviously smashed through the over but the only thing that's making me hesitant is the bills defensive injuries but the under has been good to me so far so i feel like i am i am now clouded by past results and probably screwing (laughs) this up but feeling the pressure of the the perfect record to this point but i feel pretty comfortable with the bills and the bills to cover and, and something about that over-under is a little fishy to me, no pun intended. Um, it felt like the pun was intended. It, it was, actually. It was telegraphed, <laughs> even. But it just feels weird, the, the over-under, because your instinct, when you look at it, is to be like, oh, these teams are going to go over. But you're talking about both teams essentially getting into the high 20s if you're you're there. And the Bills' defense, even with the injuries, like they have been – they have been the reason these unders have been hitting because they're playing uh, better, you know, than than anybody I think could have expected. So I'm sticking with the the over under, but it feels like a a very a bigger risk than most uh, than most gambling when you consider all of the factors and a lot of unknowns in this game with injuries and and things of like that. So that might be one to take up to kick off, but the under's been good, so I'm sticking with it. Yeah, the only other game that's at 52 and a half is Detroit Minnesota, which that's that's going to be a fun game. I'm I'm a little disappointed that's also at one o'clock because that's uh, that would have been a good one to have on in the press box at, as you're working. Um, uh, in the 4:30 games come through, so but um, it also lends itself to us covering the. Um, 
the other 52 and a half total game, which is Bills Dolphins, which is going, should be a pretty fun one as well. Um, You know, last week that uh, line, the nine and a half or 10 felt like it was Vegas trying to get you to, to bet the, um, bet the Titans because of their, their past history in 2021. This one, I don't know what the heck to make of it because Miami has a lot of momentum right now. They they might be outside of, you know, the Bills completely crushing the Titans this past week. The Dolphins are probably the the buzziest team of the non-Super Bowl contenders uh, after the second week just because of how they came back in that game. So maybe they're they're trying to capitalize on that with with a four and a half, five point spread. It's it's a it's a weird line, but uh, I'm I'm with you for the first couple. I think the Bills are going to win this game. Um, I do realize that they have a lot working against them in the secondary. the uh, The obvious factor is that they they might have four inexperienced guys uh, out of the five in their secondary, and that's that's a tough thing, especially going against not only Waddle and Hill, but McDaniel's mind. And that that is going to be something that they need to overcome. But from an offensive perspective, well, also on the defensive side, not having potentially Taron Armstead could be uh, a matchup flipping sort of absence for the Dolphins because he's really he's good. And if he's not out there to to try and take on Von Miller and AJ Epinesa and Greg Rousseau, that's that's going to be a tough thing for the Dolphins. Offensively, I think the Bills uh, could could find some major fortune if Xavier Howard doesn't play in this game. He's had a groin injury, has not practiced the first two days throughout the week, and that certainly lends itself to the Bills having a nice day uh, throwing the ball around. And their rushing stuff has been horrid, like you pointed out earlier in the episode. Uh, when the game still mattered, um, Devin Singletary's yards before contact was .8. Uh, Zach Moss's was negative .5, and James Cook's was negative 3. Uh, so they're, they're, they have not been getting a good push. So I don't think this is the this is the game to really try and establish the run or anything like that. Just throw the ball around. The Dolphins are already banged up because they don't have Byron Jones uh, because he's on the reserve PUP list to start the year. They might not have Xavier Howard. Just lean into it. Pass the ball ninety five percent of the time if you want to. I mean that's I think they have the the talent to do that. So. I'm going to take the Bills to win. I'm going to take the Bills to cover. And I'm going to take the over just because I don't trust the secondary for either of these teams. And I think there's a chance that the Bills can put up a ton of points in this game. And I think Miami is talented enough to put up, you know, if if it need if it comes down to where the Bills score, let's say, 38 or something like that, which is totally within the realm of, of uh, expectations here. That that just means the Dolphins have to score two touchdowns and a field goal to to cover that. Or, you know, let's say it's a it's a it's a closer game. I think both of these teams have the very strong chance of putting up a ton of points against each other's secondaries because of how banged up they are. So I'm going to go with the over in this one. I, I think the, the score I'm landing on is 33-24, but the, I I think there's a chance that the Bills could could uh, extend this ten point win streak uh, into 
into another regular season win the way that they have the last what is it 20 games just kind of a ridiculous streak so yeah give me give me those three i'm 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 on team over i feel like our roles are reversed here from from previous years yeah i've become a, a much more responsible and prudent you know just kind of being uh being practical i'm thinking of this first game the Dolphins played against the Patriots who have a good defense. New England has a good mm. defense, but they were held in check a little bit. So they're the truth got twenty. The truth probably lies somewhere in the middle um on this one in terms of where this Dolphins offense is. It's probably not quite what it was in that fourth quarter fireworks, but you know, we'll see. I don't feel comfortable about the under necessarily uh Again, I would not advise anybody um, to use their hard-earned American currency on an over-under in a game, especially like this one. This is going to be a chaotic, weird game with injuries all over the place, and who the hell knows what the the final score will be. I feel pretty comfortable about the Bills going down there and getting a win. It's It's a big game early in the season because the Dolphins are probably the most legitimate contender for the division. It looks like the Bills will probably run away with the division this season. But as we saw last season, when it looked like the Bills would do that, the Patriots were able to sneak up on them and make it interesting late in the season. If they lose to the Dolphins this week, you probably don't feel terrible. You know, you probably don't feel dramatically different about the Bills' ability to go on a Super Bowl run. They are still, you know, one of, if not the best team in football whether they win or lose this game, especially with the injury situation. But the reality of it is, if you lose to the Dolphins, all of a sudden the division is a thing. Uh, It's not like they're in danger of losing it. I think they could easily catch them, but you keep the Dolphins alive. You keep them, you know, at 2-0 in the division if they win. And you're 0-1 in the division if you lose. So it makes things a little bit interesting. It's more drama than I think a Bills-Dolphins game has had uh, in quite some time. It's a perhaps chance to renew the the rivalry a little bit. But I just can't get over the way Josh Allen and the Bills have played down there. They've, they've done right. well. And I know there's a lot of moving pieces and whatnot, but you know you have to feel pretty good about, about Josh Allen's chances of putting up a lot of points and i mean potentially potentially not having Xavier howard is humongous to this matchup especially with how stefan diggs has has been playing so far this year and to get gabe davis back on top of it when they have somewhat like it's either crossing or needham playing on the outside so it's it's a it's a matchup to exploit for them yeah it's gonna be it should be an entertaining game, I think, uh, between these two teams. And it'll be if if Tua and this Dolphins team can give the Bills a run or somehow beat them, then I think you start to take, even with the injuries, I think you start to take Tua and the Dolphins pretty seriously uh, as a potential threat. And I think you think about it more so in terms of, matchups that could give the bills problems down the road right like not so much in the division winning the division or whether the bills are still a super bowl team just a matter of okay that's a team that can get you on the right day and so a lot to learn about the dolphins i think on sunday and and probably something to learn about the bills depending on who Mm -hmm. gets thrown into action and, and who gets 
put put under the microscope here. I think the uh, the best thing that possibly could have happened for the Bills for this upcoming matchup was for the Dolphins to come back the way that the way that they did because they're they're not going to be like asleep at the wheel heading down to Miami. They know what's what they're up against, even though they have all of these um, all of these injuries at the back end. So I, I think that that was a, a good little wake up call uh, early on in the season to realize that uh, this Dolphins team beat a, a pretty good Ravens team and a, a game in a game that they probably should have lost. All right, Matthew Fairburn, um, you as a responsible adult these days, any any more sage words of wisdom? Uh, you know, we've we've been taking it slow. We've been hydrating, uh, especially down in Miami. I think I think it's important if you're heading down to to hydrate in Miami with water. Uh, <laughs> Hydration uh, is key. Additional... Hydration is key yeah. in Miami. And so so any other uh, sage words of advice? Everything that folks have been doing has been working so i say you got to stick to it you gotta you gotta take it slow you gotta hydrate and you know you gotta you gotta take every opponent seriously and you know that that includes the dolphins so uh enjoy this one because having a little bit of sizzle in the division and especially between these two teams would i think be a welcome uh it almost feels like I don't know maybe folks aren't there yet but it can be easy to get lulled into the regular season when the team is this good where you're like ah, you know it's just the regular season the bills are absolutely destroying teams i think people are still pretty fired up obviously the home opener was was rowdy and uh you know it can it can be easy to as as fans not not so much the team i think the team has been pretty sharp but i think it's it's good for uh for people that the dolphins came back and made this an interesting matchup made this kind of a, a spicy ticket on the uh on the schedule so people just got to stay the course keep doing what they're doing take it one one week at a time here and uh i think this is going to be one of those those fun matchups and it'll be a satisfying one if you can get the win especially the way uh the, the way people are hyping up this dolphins team so mm-hmm. not bad for a week three sunday one o'clock kick yeah, no doubt. It's been a it's been a definitely fun little start to the season. All right, uh, Matthew Fairburn. Uh, if you haven't yet, head over to theathletic.com and and read all his uh, Sabers coverage over there. Training camp just kicked into gear, uh, and the the Saber Saber season is creeping up on us. So uh, be sure to read all his stuff over there, and you can uh, find all of my uh, all of my writing on the bills whether it's the all 22 or uh or the pregame thoughts or did a feature on aj epinesa last week um so you can find all of that head to the athletic.com slash the buffalo beat and get yourself a discount on your subscription and uh and read about whatever sports team or league or fantasy league that uh, that you want to all right there at the athletic all right so for matthew fairburn my name is joe Bascalia. thanks everyone for listening and we will talk to you after the miami game see you then Hey, hey. 
Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop.